Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Who says you're perfect? She does. Appreciating the root meaning of whole and complete, she creates playful healing spaces for women to embrace, embody, and express her perfect, authentic self. Firecracker Denicia is here. Welcome. Hi, Isabel. <laughs> How are you? I'm so good. Doing very well. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here because I have so many questions about what the playground is. I mean, everything that has to do with play is just the best thing for me because I don't know if this happens to you too, but like my inner child is still pretty much like in its full entirety self in me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love it. So I really want to hear where this came from. How did you create this and what is it? Yeah, so so these playful healing spaces, oh my gosh, um, came out of thin air. No, really, I'm, I um, actually had been practicing as a doctor of Eastern medicine for some time. And over time, I got to see where there were like all these similar patterns with the women that I was working with, either in the practice or if I was speaking or if I was holding some type of event or something like that. And one of the patterns that I saw was, geez, there's so many women out here with things going on, but not necessarily having fun. And then whenever it was that we were talking about, it might be serious health conditions. It was like, uh, but it didn't have to be so serious. Like I, I got to see where she was just taking such a harshness to not just the condition, but on herself. And when doing that, I felt like it was limiting her and limiting and what it is that was possible for her, what the potential could even be, because we literally are just like, you know, I'm adulting so hard, quote unquote, and yeah. all of this other stuff that makes it it creates that environment where it's like, oh, you shouldn't be so serious or, oh, button things up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, eh, does it really have to be that way? So <laughs> so um, I realized that there were some activities and things that I would, that I might ask her to do or invite others to do in audiences that were actually meant to even help her be able to learn more about herself and to grow from that. So whether it's even the physical, the mental, emotional, um, the spiritual components, anything that was there, that's what was happening was that she was learning a lot more about herself when we were playing while doing it. Um, so really that's how it, I started seeing that that's what I was doing naturally. And then when I started putting attention towards it and intention towards it, then that's when I actually really started seeing, oh, this is great. Like they're actually learning from this. They're able to experience possibilities and experience potential first, and then be able to take that and translate that into their everyday life, which was exactly what it was that I was like, yes, this is what I feel like is, is what I'm meant to do. And 
if you tie in the spiritual part and I'm like doing more of my own development into myself along the way, I end up learning this, doing this was actually in my birth chart. And I, I looked at different aspects of my birth chart in so many different ways and just didn't see it. And I understand I wasn't welcome to it yet. And now I am. And so it's, it's like very clear <laughs> that this is what I'm supposed to be doing in my birth chart. I mean, and I was like, holy guacamole, this, this is talk about aligning like, <laughs> and, wow. and your purpose. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you have such a bubbly personality as well. Like I, I'm, I'm interviewing you. We're like miles apart and I can feel your energy through your voice. I just, so I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I think play is the perfect, definitely <laughs> aligned thing for you. Um, so, so, okay. So this story, I found that fascinating, not only, you know, how you got into it, but also how that actually is perfect and fits your personality and fits your birth, birth chart. And you're the, I think it was the first guest that I've had who's spoken about birth charts. And I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I yes. love that. The birth um, chart, it's so important. <laughs> I know. I love it. I am, I've, I've consulted as well. Um, but before we get into that, let's just circle back a little bit because you, yeah. you were, you said something like, oh, you're adulting too hard. And it's just so true. I don't know at what point adults are just like supposed to be serious and like, you know, we don't have any more time to enjoy that playful side. We have to be very, like, you know, um, not only serious, but also very responsible and pay the bills. And this is why I didn't want to grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you kind of answered your question, which is, it was what we were taught. Like, yeah, so we learned, it's like you learned that as a child, right? And because we hear those, we hear different things coming from the adults around us, you know, like where at least hear some things that might be said is, oh, don't grow up so fast. Um, oh, when you become an adult, it's, it's all of this and it ain't as cracked up as it, or when you get into the real world. Um, so you have all of these sayings that are being said around you growing up that makes it like, that makes it pretty much say, oh, by the time you hit 18, for some people, it's the age of 18 and then that's adult. Um, for others, it might unfortunately be some type of traumatic experience that would have pushed them into now taking on different um, different responsibilities and, and whatnot, right? Um, and, and instead, like, I would love for people to kind of take that time to see, to kind of open themselves up to explore. In what ways is it, did I hear these these messages? In what ways is it that I'm actually saying those messages? And when I sit back and I listen to the stories, I think that it, it's perpetual because it someone may not have had the opportunity to take the time to pause and be able to actually like infiltrate into that perpetual cycle. And so if you're listening to this, then here's your opportunity that you have to perpetuate this, right? For yourself or for anyone else that's around you and even for your own family. And so it's like, you know, 
if you realize that that's what's been happening, then you, as soon as you have awareness about anything, you can make a choice. And it's seeing then that what from what position are you making that choice? And what way are you responding to what's happening? And um, I feel like we can totally have fun and we can totally play as adults. It just means that we have a different type of responsibility. If we really look at it, children actually um, do feel like they have some type of responsibility. And what I mean is when we were children, um, and that there's, we take on certain things, like for a certain time period, as we grow up, we're sponges. So we take in a lot. Um, and then what happens is we start to offer our support and our help. And so you'll actually hear about different forms of um, study and even um, therapies and whatnot, because of what would have happened during childhood. And it's, you have illnesses and they'll be like, I don't understand how this child has this going on. Or say they're say you were struggling in school. Um, what's one of the first things that they ask is what's going on at home. So in a way, even we as children, we're taking on responsibility in the way that we could within our capacity, which might come and translate into form of being a physical condition um, or the anxiety and depression, which we're seeing is on the rise amongst a lot of younger people now. Um, and I think that's a reflection of just how it is that we grew up trying to take on responsibility for things um, in, in our own special way. And then as you grew older, it just kind of flipped. And now it's like, oh, well, now you can put your name on this bill and that you can pay for it. Or here's this bank account that you're responsible for, or now you can apply for this job. So I think that we've always had responsibility is just the, what it looked like is different as we grew up. And then whoever taught you or wherever you were exposed, I think that's just a reflection that they didn't enjoy where they were in, they, in their life at that time and projected it. And then we just kind of held on to it. And so now... I see that it's a, it can be a projection. And if I hear things like that, that I feel like is an opportunity to start exploring their life more and asking like, what's going on? Like, what is it about your life that you're not enjoying? And I think that's a big step for many is to admit that they're not enjoying their life. Um, and especially if they start to feel guilty, well, this is what I wanted. I wanted to be this lawyer or I wanted to get this position. And I was like, okay, so you got it. You're not enjoying it. Fine. Like, so what else can we, what else do you want to do? You know, like, it's not the end all be all. And we all grew up with that. Well, what do you want to be when you grow up? As if like, that's the only thing. And I personally had that. And I felt like I had to do that one thing. And then eventually I said, uh, yeah, I ain't doing that. And then <laughs> it goes on and have changed up a whole bunch of stuff over time. I'm in the middle of a transition right now. And it's like, okay, you know, just go with it. Yeah. But that's that. I think that's great because when you're a child and they tell you, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or even when you like finish high school and you have to go into college, university, I think that 18, 19 is too young to choose what you want to do with the rest of your life, to be honest. Yeah. 
and, yes. <laughs> and then you do, you know, you become a lawyer or whatever you become, doesn't matter. And then you do that. And then you're like, I, this is not making me happy. But there are so many adults who don't even want to think about taking the step to get out of there, you know, mm-hmm. um, because of the whole adulting thing is the whole responsibility is the whole, this is what I want it. Why do I don't want it now? And they kind of like go through life without really enjoying it. And I think that's a shame first. Well, that's the first point I wanted to make. And the second thing I wanted to say is, and this is a question actually, because this came to mind when you were telling me a little bit about um, when we were just talking about this, um, this concept, I don't know. Um, I'm sure that there are adults who are very resistant to play mm-hmm. because they tell us when you're an adult, don't do that. That's silly. That's immature. You're acting like yeah. a child. Yep. So don't sit somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wanted to ask you if you've, when you meet somebody with that resistance, how do you, how do you ease them into the process for them to actually enjoy? Um, I'll, <laughs> I'm going to let you in on something. <laughs> so I am very intentional about what I offer. Right. And so it doesn't matter if it's like private, like one-to-one, or if it's in group through the membership, doesn't really matter. What I intentionally do, and I try my best to do this, is to actually put the experience first. And so what that means is, if I were to come across somebody, I try to at least paint it if it's in an interview or if it's on a, a, a post that I'm writing um, for someone, I actually really try to paint the picture. I paint the vision. I try to bring bring her in already to see what it is that she might actually want, right? And to feel it. Now, if you're in something else with me and it's an actual like we're, we're working in an event or something like that, then I actually put a lot of my things where it's experience first, like it's experiential learning. And by doing so, it actually can help even if it's just a little bit, even if the door was just cracked open, meaning we just turned that doorknob just a little bit and (laughs) it was enough that you could actually still open it. Um, Even just doing that, when we look at the, the way that the brain works, the neurology of it all, right? Is that simply by experiencing it, And if I'm really intentional in the experience, like I said, of how it is that I'm thinking that I'd like for her to feel or how I'd like for her to think about herself and put that first, when you begin to enjoy it, and even if it's an inkling, it would have actually triggered a whole new set of neurons that would have then started actually activating differently to a point where then all of a sudden without her really realizing it, it's like, I'm going to begin to seek out more experiences that I can get this feeling again. And so the, now the actual 
experience what it looks like may be different, which is fine. It's actually the feeling that I'm going for. It's the feeling for her to see that, man, yes, I can actually feel like I'm enjoying, I'm being present in my life. And I, there's this purpose, there's this meaning again, that's been ignited. And so then she's going to now has, has all the little subconscious spidey senses gone out seeking more and more experiences such as that. And so if she's with me, she would have more than likely already experienced something first. And it would have been enough to even tickle her fancy to just be like, I want some more, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but in what way, what way is that? And, it, and it's kind of like, that's where I say, well, you choose your own adventure. What's it going to be? I mean, are you down with the groups or do you want like more one-to-one or, or how do you really want? Are you a reader? Um, and, and so that's going to be her thing. So it's kind of like, it's kind of in a way me answering the question is that she would have already experienced it and is a little bit more intrigued. Um, and because I would have already showed her what was possible. So I would have bypassed the potential objections of no, this isn't going to, it's not going to work for me. Well, the little bit that you already did, it already has. And it's really cool to see because Sometimes she doesn't even see it happen so easily because it's like, that's her naturally. It happens so easily that she doesn't even realize it happens until I bring it into her conscious awareness that oh, this, you already did it. So mm-hmm. you can't tell me that you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I, I think, I think, I mean, I, I love it. I, and it's true when you, when you open up spaces for people to first experience things before they actually take this step, that works, um, that works wonders. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm very curious, what type of play activities do you do with your groups, for example? Oh, it's just, it's so different. It depends. I'm not, <laughs> like, I literally have fun with it. I want, I look for like themes and I, I look for certain things that might be happening. And I'm always asking too within the membership, like um, what may be going on and I'm listening to it. Um, sometimes they're not even directly saying it. I'm actually just paying attention to, cause um, it's easy for me to actually draw and connect things and see patterns and themes. Um, so I might even see it just out in the open and I'm like, Ugh. and because I believe that we're a part of the whole, if this is something that I'm seeing within one, I'm pretty sure it's happening within many others. Um, so I usually start with a theme of something. So something that we did recently, a, a workshop for the membership was on giving, um, especially because right now at the time of recording, it's like the quote unquote season of giving, although I feel like we give all the time. Um, <laughs> it's just, what are you giving? And then what's the intention yeah. in the giving <laughs> that happens? Um, <laughs> but we did like different activities. So sometimes it's like me creating. And in this case, it was like a superhero. Like she designed her own superhero backstory. What, what was the power? What did they do? But then also like, what was the, um, what were the things that would hold that superpower, like hold that superhero back? Um, why is it that this was the superpower? Why is it that this is what they did for greater humanity and in this form? And like, 
So kind of like exploring then from that space, this is the capacity then based on the story that you told me about this superhero, this is based on that capacity and someone's capacity actually can dictate what it is that they're going to give. Right. And, and I see, I wanted to do something like that because I work with women and a big thing is women give a lot and it's like, yeah, you give a lot, but what do you give? What's the intention in the giving and what capacity is the giving? What are you actually wanting to receive? If you're even able to receive, what are the expectations in your giving? Like, and really sitting and exploring all of that, right? Um, that's like, that's one example. We've totally done a castle, like <laughs> exploration of a castle mm-hmm. to discuss boundaries. Like, so <laughs> I just find, I literally just start with a theme or, or something that's really calling uh, their attention, um, calling my attention. And I ask then for guidance as to, huh, okay, so what activity is it that I could use to help explain this point or to help share this, that she could learn from it? And um, it's been really cool hearing that, you know, different circumstances, because you're living your life, right? So the whole point of the play is that you're incorporating this and you're able to do it in your life every day, some element of it, you're able to do every day. And um, it's been really cool to hear how different circumstances would come up or situations would come up. And it's like, they don't even think about it. They just go into a different response. And then it's afterwards that all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, if this were to happen like X months ago, this is how I responded, except this time I responded this way. I actually felt good responding this way and it happened naturally. And they didn't feel that. So there was no guilt. There was no icky feeling. There was no shame into how it is that they responded in these different situations. And to me, that's when I know then like, eh, that's the point then that you grew. And it's just beautiful to see. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. About 10 minutes ago, you said something to me like, oh, you know, when you're a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that you went the path that you thought you wanted to be. And then you kind of like change completely your own reality. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, what did you want to be when you grow up? The first one was a marine biologist out on the sea. And it was a very specific marine biologist, as you'll hear. Um, <laughs> I was out of the sea listening um, and documenting dolphins and whale sounds mm-hmm. and also identifying pods based on their dorsal fins. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's very specific. Oh, very specific, yeah. <laughs> and so you became a marine biologist? No. <laughs> I can't even swim. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so no, not at all. So what was the second thing? <laughs> um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to be a doctor. 
Yeah. Now, at that time, like all I knew was Western medicine, um, doctor, physician. So I was supposed to uh, do pediatrics, neonatology. um, And then I went to college and had a meeting with an advisor and left that meeting feeling like, yeah, mm -mm, this ain't gonna happen. And I like had all sorts of reasons (laughs) for, I I create basically everything that I said, why I wasn't going to do it was just to support that I didn't want to do it anymore. And so I didn't. And then I went into event management and (laughs) I was in event management and fundraising for a while. Um, really, and I really liked it, really enjoyed it. Cause I, I got to really learn a lot of stuff there. Um, and then it was just one day where I was like, I, I, it was a really, it was a, an experience, like a knowing that it was time to go into medicine. And I can tell you what happened. Um, <laughs> I can tell you what happened. Cause it was a very interesting experience. Um, and then that day was when I said, okay, I'm going back into medicine. And it was actually a sorority sister that introduced me to acupuncture and Eastern medicine as a way of actually practicing medicine. That was something that I didn't even know um, existed. So that's how I ended up there. That's quite a story. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe like- that I might be a mermaid in a past life or something? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it's funny because when when we're kids, um, you know, we usually want to do things that are fun and exciting. Like I can see you being a marine biologist and just being out at sea and having fun and being excited. And I wanted to be a paleontologist. I wanted to like dig up dinosaur bones because I love dinosaurs when I was a kid. That didn't happen, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but um, I guess my question to you would be, other than a, bi- a marine biologist, when you were a child, did you also want to be a mom? You know, I did. I actually, all through high school, by the time I graduated high school, I was determined to have 10 kids. Wow. <laughs> 10? Yep. I, oh it was 10 God. kids. It, it, I just remember the number creeping up more and more and more. Um, and then when, upon graduating, like, you know, you're experimenting in dating and stuff like that. And that was like, one of my things was, do you want kids? Like, and if you didn't, then I didn't even want to be talking to you. And, and when did that change? <laughs> um, it really, really changed when I went into grad school. Um, because I, I, cause I do remember, yeah. Cause I remember in undergrad and even after undergrad, um, cause there was some time space in between um, undergrad and graduate school. So, um, but during undergrad, go in the space in between, that was still even a requirement was like, oh, you're going to, you have to want to have your own family and all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> and then I got to grad school and I remember like talking to an old friend of mine, like I had known for since undergrad. So it had been like a really long time. We'd known each other. And I remember when it came to me that like, I, I don't really think I, I'm not feeling it anymore. Like I just didn't really care. And um, she's like, what? You have to want kids. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, I think I'm good. Like, 
and I'm okay with it, at least for right now. So you'll hear me a lot of times as like, I'm in the present. So for right now, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm good. And it actually has stuck for a long time. And um, even now it's just kind of like, eh, it can happen. Eh, and probably not. Like, I don't even want to really, I don't even want to say, oh, let's try for one. Like, I'm really good right now. Um, <laughs> we have like, I call her bonus daughter, you know, and because she's, he considers her his daughter and, and that's relationship, not um, like the relationship is more powerful in that way um, because she's not biologically his. So even then it's like, well, technically you can, are child free as well. And both of us would talk about it. And both of us feel the same. Like, like, like I remember mm-hmm. at the beginning of us dating, like, I'm like, no way are you getting a vasectomy? And like, and now I'm like, eh. <laughs> all right, what is? <laughs> so you did tell me about this when we were talking before this interview, uh, when we were chatting and like exchanging messages. Yeah. Your, is it your husband or your boyfriend? Husband. Your yeah. husband. Mm-hmm. He is not his biological daughter, but she's one of his ex-partner's daughters. Yes. Correct? Yes. And so he adopted her in a way. Yes. And But he, st- he still has this bond with her. Right. So that's your bonus daughter. This is who we're talking about. Yeah. How old is she? She is 13 now. 13. Okay. Ooh, yeah. terrible teens. just remember when I was 13 I was awful Um, (laughs) I was terrible yeah I'm always I'm always curious you know when child free people say oh you know I'm I'm with my my partner my SO my husband my wife you know whatever you want to call it and they have their own child or children in this case she's adopted but you know still they have this bond I'm always curious about how much there how much is there of a role of the child free parent in this child's life because mm-hmm. you know how there are child free purists out there right and yeah. they say oh if you are a step parent then you're not child free that that immediately disqualifies you um but i don't think that way um and i know that every relationship is different so how do you live that you know that experience of 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 raising this kid are you do you feel like you're raising her like how does that work for you so I I mean I don't really in the like we didn't have I'm pretty sure it would be different if if say that he was biologically hers um but like I she lives with her mom we're all like very close together as far geographically um she during spring break during other school breaks monthly visits over here like and she'll stay the night we cook and everything so like but like in the in between times he's the one who's mostly communicating with her and her mother so like things with school or or whatever it might be they're talking or if there's any just just growing up stuff you know they have that communication. 
I'm not really involved as much. So like my involvement is more of, oh, we have her, she's coming. And it's like, cool, what are we going to do? And then like, that's it. In between, I may reach out to her just to check in and to her personally and just be like, hey, how's it going? Like what's happening and everything. Um, But she has a very, very clearly stronger relationship with him, which is fine. Like she's known him for almost, I think it's been 10 years. So like, um, that's why she's so close to him and connected with him. Um, And so like, she doesn't necessarily talk to me about much of anything going on unless we're like right in front of each other. Um, And we'd be hanging out either with us or even with her extended family because they're best friends like um, her uncle and then my husband are best friends so like we all might literally be together and that's it like sometimes I might there were moments where I'm like oh I wish we did have a better relationship and it's better no that's not the right phrase have a different type of relationship where, oh, you know, she might call me just randomly and all that stuff. And then that's when I realized, like, where is that even coming from? And that was coming from, um, like, a lot of things of me hearing or seeing, even in movies, um, fairy tales or, like, and in real life, like, how it is that stepmoms treated stepdaughters. And um, I realized, like, I was kind of coming from a place that wasn't necessarily for her own good or what she may want. Um, And I was coming from more of that place of like, I don't want to be seen as this person who doesn't like her. Um, But then you start asking like, what is, what is an expression of liking her? Like, does that mean that I'm sitting here trying to talk to her all the time? If she doesn't, she doesn't want that yet she knows even when we're in person like she wants to talk about something or something goes on and she does talk to me about some things and we do we talk about it you know and but I'm not I know and I understand and I'm okay with not being like that person just after her mom that she calls like and that's okay with me um and so it took a it took a little bit for me to just come to terms with that of of wow this is more of a projection of my own ego to try to push something more in her life um and and but it wasn't necessarily what she wanted or what she needed at the time yet I'm still there and she knows that I'm there and everything is like all good and great that's interesting (laughs) um (laughs) yeah I think um I just have a lot of thoughts right now (laughs) You know, I, I find I find it very interesting and I find it very, you know, it's it's selfless as well because most people wouldn't have even most child-free women, most child-free straight women wouldn't have like given even the chance to a guy who comes with, you know, this kid who's not even biologically his. And you told me that his relationship well, there was with a mother, lot of with people around me. Uh-huh. There was a lot of confusion with people around me. They're like, wait, what? Yeah, but but you know, when when you start dating and then someone's like, Yeah, I have this daughter, she's not really mine, she's not a biological man. I adopted her six years ago, still talk to her, you know. It's like, wait, <laughs> I think most of them will be like, Okay, bye. 
they wouldn't even <laughs> get a chance. Um, but you did. And, and, you know, I find that interesting because, you know, being part of a child's life, even if the, I mean, is, is a big responsibility when you're the child's parents, of course, one of the parents, but also having, you know, this kind of presence in a kid's life, um, it, it also comes with, you know, I wouldn't say responsibility per se, the word is not exactly that. I would say maybe, uh, you, I mean, yes, you are influencing mm -hmm. somehow or shaping this human being somehow. And I'm guessing when you're an aunt, for example, I'm not an aunt, I really want to be an aunt. My sister still doesn't have any kids, but oh. you're going to, I'm going to, in a way, going to be helping this my sister shaped this being right yeah so that's what my thought my train of thought goes to so that's why I wanted to ask you about this relationship as well yeah I think I want to say like um you know like so I did have there's a couple of things that came up as you were speaking and one of those being when we were first dating and whatnot, and he was telling me this about her and, and his relationship with her. Um, I actually, once I got kind of got past the confusion a little bit, like, wow, then it actually transformed into seeing who he was in the, and seeing that capacity of love that does not have to be blood. Like it's kind of, you see it where even just everyone, every, every day, right? Like it's when you take love, it's almost like people have, um, they, they kind of put it on in ranks and it's supposed to be that you have the deepest love for the blood, like for the blood family. However, and, and you get to see that how this supposed love can be to someone's detriment that they will experience such devastation. Um, but because of a title of that being aunt or uncle or grandma or whatever by blood, then they feel like that's what love is for them. And that's how they have to experience it. And they still have to stick with it. Um, and so for me to see someone be able to show that, um, to be there for someone else that is not, biologically theirs and I understand it's even coming from his own experience that who he calls dad did that for him too so it's like because he had that experience I think it shaped um, how it is that he's able to even offer that for someone else now um, and I think that it, it to me it spoke volumes as to who he was in that really played a role um, to me to for for me to be able to see that. And um, I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Um, and then when you go and you talk about influencing another child's life as even as aunt, right? Um, I think that, and this is something that I, I had processed as well, is that it is really understanding that you're influencing anyone who is around you. And it doesn't even matter age, but you're influencing anyone around you. It's just that when they are very little, um, you you tend to pay a little bit more attention to it. Um, but there have been times that I've, you, you know, I don't know quite how open she is in, in talking about it, but like even spirituality and um, like 
taking note of little things that if she might miss her grandfather um, who had passed. And, and then I'll be like, okay, you know, for me to be able to see now, like, wow, what I have learned and be able to offer that to her as far as asking her to be comfortable with, oh, he quite possibly is speaking to you. What are you seeing? And, and what are, what's happening? Like, is, are you in trouble with some things? And then all of a sudden you see this symbol and what do you feel? And, and so to kind of even offer that for her to see that there's, um, when she might be talking to me for me to be able to catch those phrases that I see in adults that have been detrimental um, to one's self-esteem and body image and confidence for me to be able to catch those and help her rephrase that. And if there's anything that I can speak into her life um, and into her potential into her own possibilities, then I'm going to do that. So if that is the, if the physical, what it looks like in our relationship, then fine. Like <laughs> that's the way that it looks. However, I know that whenever we do cast a stone, it is the ripple effect that ends up being felt and it's beyond her. It's beyond me. Um, and so I've come to a place of, of just honoring that. And when I feel called that there's something that's there, then I, I act on it and it's inspired and, and I have to let go of any expectation uh, of anything coming from her or anyone else is just, I move with the spirit and where it is that I'm being guided, even in my relationship with her. That's beautiful. I totally understand. Um, just one last question. Yeah. Do your family give you grief that you haven't given them a, a nephew, <laughs> a granddaughter or grandson? <laughs> I don't know if it's grief as much as like repeated like statements, right? My my mom, bless her, uh, <laughs> out of her siblings, she's the only one that does not have grandchildren, bio grandchildren. And so she does get like, she might get the statements and comments coming from her siblings. Um, she'll make them to me and my sister. Um my sister makes comments to me <laughs> and like <laughs> she it, it's interesting because like she'll make the comments to me about it and at the same she's more like can you just have the kid and I'll just take it you know and <laughs> because <laughs> married or, or even before we were married it was like you're in a relationship why don't you just have a kid and I'll borrow it and I'm like uh and so, so, mm-hmm. so I mean like she might make the comments but my sister understands too like where I'm at yeah. and I'm just kind of like nah. you know my friends um closer friends don't necessarily say much of anything um, anymore. Um, maybe, maybe like once a year, um, maybe you know that it'd be that conversation. But you can kind of you can kind of feel the tiptoeing around it <laughs> of yeah. like, do I say anything? Are you guys doing anything? And especially because I used to work in the menstrual health and fertility health, um, it like that segment that even with like when it comes to fertility, I mean, there's all sorts of things going on. Right. And a a lot of it is somebody could, they could be trying, but didn't say anything to people. And so they keep getting asked or they get the tiptoeing conversations and all that stuff. So I think that there's just a growing sensitivity by 
by uh, some people of just whether or not they even ask. Um, I'm okay with being asked, honestly, because I'd much rather you ask me directly and I can give you a response rather than you going and creating and literally painting this whole story about <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'd so much rather just tell you up front, like, no, actually, neither one of us right now are even kind of in this place of wanting to have children of our own. And I'm okay with that. Now he fights me when I'm trying to get a dog. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and even then, I'm like, not a puppy, though. I want like an adult that's already trained and will just sit there and don't hardly bark. Like you just yeah. bark when there might be danger. Like, so there's like all these characteristics of this. In this, in this dog that I'm like I'll do that you know <laughs> like, or maybe a turtle or maybe like, I've yeah. thought about guinea pigs so there's like there is this inkling of like wanting to take care of something you know mm-hmm. yeah it but it's like I'm open to what that looks like it doesn't have to be like this own like human being child <laughs> yeah I, yeah, I mean, pets are completely different realm. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you in my podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Um, There's just so much I want to, like, I want to continue talking to you. You're so much fun. So you're welcome to come back whenever you want. But before I let you go, uh, is there anything else that you would like to add to our interview? Anything at all? Um, I will say that, and all that is that you can be very conscious and aware of where it is that you might be not as aligned to your authentic being. Um, and if you do find that, it's okay. Just go ahead and reach out for support. Kind of like take a look around. You might be clueless as to who that is, and that's fine too. <laughs> so, but it's just opening yourself up to the journey. Um, and then there are so much, th- so many things that we could all be doing um, and just imagine all of the power that you can unleash just by aligning into your authentic self. And then you're unleashing that power and totally enjoying it along the way. Thank you so much for those words. So firecrackers, I'm going to leave you Denise's uh, website and I'm going to leave you her links to all of her social media in case you want to connect with her, follow her. um, And Uh, again, thank you so much for coming. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.